Hi everyone, this is Aaron Cohen. Are you wondering about when our next season is coming out? Want to hear how it's coming along? Then please join us as a contributing member of the Embrace Everything community by supporting us on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can follow the progress of our journey creating these Mahler programs. Every month, I send out an update with the latest details of our work, and it usually includes some audio excerpts. There's a Patreon link in the show notes for this episode and on our website. I hope you'll join us, and thanks. Season 2 of Embrace Everything, The World of Gustav Mahler was made possible by a generous grant from the Kaplan Foundation. You can find a complete list of pieces and performers featured in this episode on our website, theworldofgustavmahler.org. The fourth movement of Mahler's Second Symphony comes as a total surprise. It's a five-minute song sung by a mezzo-soprano. When Mahler wrote the song in the summer of 1892, he didn't know that he would eventually incorporate it into his symphony. When he did decide to add it, it was the first instance of anyone using a solo song within a symphony. We'll take the song apart and see why Mahler decided to put this intimate piece in the middle of his huge symphony. I'm Aaron Cohen. I hope you enjoy it. Everything about this song, this movement is special and unique. Music professor Marilyn McCoy of Columbia University. Every note counts. Every rhythmic value counts. Every rest, every pause, every word. The song is called Primeval Light. In German, it's Urlicht. Ur means the most ancient, the source of all light. When God says, let there be light, the oldest original light of creation. Carter Bray, principal cello of the New York Philharmonic. This seems to be the place, despite the fact that there's another movement to go, it strikes me as the spiritual heart of the symphony. The text again comes from Des Knaben Wunderhorn, the Boys Magic Horn Collection by Brentano and Arnhem. It comes from early on in volume two, published in 1808. Unlike St. Anthony's Sermon to the Fish, which had a literary source, Brentano and Arnhem heard this one out in the world, transcribed it, and added it to their collection. We don't know how much editing they did. It's only 10 lines. Joanna Neely, a professor of German at Oxford University. I think you can almost even hear the meaning of this song in Mahler's setting because the music tells us it's really a poem of two parts, despite the fact that actually the original format is one 10 line stanza. Here's the first part of the poem, the opening four lines in translation. Oh, little red rose, humanity lies in greatest need. Humanity lies in greatest pain. How I would rather be in heaven. According to Mahler, the lyrics are the voice of naive faith, an unquestioning faith, the faith of a child who doesn't need to be convinced that God and heaven exist but simply believes they exist and is ready to go to heaven right now. Marilyn McCoy. There's basically a sort of a different orchestral sound world for each line or for each kind of concept in the text. Mahler will underline the meaning of each phrase the mezzo-soprano sings by painting a musical portrait using different instruments each time. But the orchestra does more than accompany the vocalist in this song. It's also a dialogue between singer and orchestra, a musical discussion. 
Let's listen to the first half of the song. Oh, little red rose. A brass chorale is our first musical portrait. Michael Sachs, principal trumpet of the Cleveland Orchestra. You want something that's very, very docile, very clean sounding, you know, very warm and very, very rounded, almost like a men's choir. The choir of heaven calling to humanity. Humanity lies in greatest need. Humanity lies in greatest pain. How I would rather be in heaven. Mala repeats this line because it's the key to this song. I would rather be in heaven. Solo oboe takes over from the singer, presenting a musical portrait of longing and loneliness. In Mahler's conception of heaven, everyone moves towards God in their own way. Primeval light represents the soul's striving and questioning attitude towards God and its own immortality. Marilyn McCoy. Basically, going to heaven is sort of a a human choice, and that there is sort of a striving towards heaven, but it's not something that you win by being a Christian or accepting Christ as your savior or something like that. You go to heaven because you want to go there and because of all the things that you've suffered and done in your life have earned you a place in heaven in this eternal light. The striving and struggle towards God were important to Mahler. A magnificent symbol of the creator is Jacob wrestling with God until he blesses him. 
If the Jews had been responsible for nothing but this image, they would still inevitably have grown to be a formidable people. And for Mahler, wrestling towards God was personal. God similarly withholds his blessing from me. I can only extort it from him in my terrible struggles to bring my works into being. Mahler's friend and confidant Natalie Bauer-Lechner explained her ideas of God, which echo Mahler's views. The elements of my own deepest faith in God and eternity and Christian teachings were gained primarily as the highest poets and thinkers like Goethe, Jean-Paul, Dostoevsky, and Lipner proclaim in a form that a child can understand. Mahler's close friend Siegfried Lipner explained further. Have you looked at a child at the moment when it was shown something completely new, something it had never known? And do you remember the touching, innocent gaze, so intimately true, completely taken in by the object, completely lost in the object? This is the childlike, naive faith Mahler is getting at in his setting of Urlicht. Here's the text for the next two lines, in translation. Then I came upon a broad path, where came a little angel, who wanted to turn me away. The opening line, that broad path, is important. The path to heaven needs to be wide enough for everyone, and everyone chooses their own way. Marilyn McCoy. There's more than one way to get there, and more than one set of deeds and desires that will get you there. And so he doesn't want to limit anyone. But remember, there's the angel who wants to turn them away. A surprising obstacle. Here are the last four lines of the poem, where the childlike protagonist responds to an angel who's blocking their way to heaven. Ah, no! I would not let myself be sent away. I am from God and will return to God. The dear God will give me a light, will light me to eternal blessed life. Christine Lee Jangaro, a music professor at Los Angeles City College. I think it's more about the will of the Spirit saying, I belong here. I will not be denied my place here. And that's a sort of heroic gesture in and of itself, not meekly saying, like, I guess they don't have room for me, and I'm just going to walk away. Um, You know, it's like, I demand a table at this restaurant. Do you know who I am? Um, (laughs) That idea of being special and chosen in a way. Returning to the initial image of the little red rose, the music here imitates nature. If we think of the rose as an emblem of spiritual awakening... The melody that appeared in seed form at the beginning keeps changing and growing as the song goes on. Marilyn McCoy. It reaches its maturity musically at exactly the moment that the person is ushered into heaven. For this, I need the voice and the simple expression of a child, which I always imagine from the stroke of the little bell onwards as the soul in heaven, when it must begin again as a child in a chrysalis state. Listen for the little bell as the second half of the song begins. Then I came upon a broad path. Where came a little angel who wanted to turn me away.
Ah, no. I would not let myself be sent away. I am from God and will return to God. The dear God will give me a light, will light me to eternal blessed life. As the song ends, our little red rose has blossomed. Marilyn McCoy. And so it's this very sweet, childlike, naive kind of poem, and yet very serious things are being discussed. And I think he means to make a very powerful point in a very quiet way. 